Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Hi everybody. And welcome to the podcast. In every episode, we try to bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips and techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. It's all about helping you develop as a professional where you make the choices that affect you in your classroom for the betterment of your students. We hope to open some doors for you as you make those choices. And welcome newcomers. Uh, We love having uh, new teachers coming on board um, and joining our Facebook group. And um, today we have a topic that um, we've wanted to do for quite a while, Sharon. It's uh, on poetry, isn't it? Yes, yes, we have. We've intentionally chosen this um, topic because in poetry is across the Australian curriculum. So it's an integral part to it. And... Teachers will often talk to me about, oh, I've got to do a unit of poetry. Um, um, you know, what do I know about poetry? I'm going to, um, you know, maybe do some of the forms of poetry that we do many of the times. They're often our sort mm. of fallback position. Um, but we want to bring poetry, like we think that, you know, it's really a piece that's part of a writer's toolkit is to know how to express themselves in a way that is tight and I want to use the word simple in a way, you know, that's catching catching that thinking. And so we think, you know, poetry is the, that tool that can really give power to our writers and to our thinkers. So we think poetry is important enough for us to explore over a few podcasts. So this is actually going to be one in a series of podcasts on poetry that we're going to do. And so this First in the series, we're going to be bringing, well today, we're pretty excited, we're bringing you a poet um, to get you to be able to gain some insights into the power and the purpose of poetry in our lives. And so in a question and answer format today, we're going to go inside the the experience of the reader and the writer of poetry. Yeah, because we, sometimes as teachers, we can teach a unit of poetry and... Um we're just going to explore um, even more effective ways of... Um, yeah, and use- how poetry exists across our lives, not just in yeah. a unit. Yeah. Yeah. And it, um, we found that even with our own kids, we, it helped them with their reading when they were starting to read. You know, it's got that rhyme, repetition and rhythm. And I know um, it's an amazing support for students beyond learning to read. It goes way through school. Um, Yes, reading and writing. I think it's, you know, it's contained in both. It teaches us the language, it teaches us, um, and it's emotive. It, you know, really creates feeling and 
allows us to express thoughts deeply. Often best um, heard or read aloud um, to hear the musical sound, the rhythm of our language. Um, everything really, someone said, everything children need to know about reading and writing exists within a poem. Um, uh, to appreciate poetry is to appreciate the art of our language. Anyway, we'd like to introduce our special guest today. We're very lucky to have Paul Kelly, a singer, songwriter and um, poet on our podcast. Now, Paul uh, is an Australian rock singer, uh, songwriter, guitarist. He's performed solo and had and led numerous groups, including the Dots and the Coloured Girls and the Messengers. He's worked with many other artists and groups and written a number of books. His music style has ranged from bluegrass to student-orientated dub St- reggae. Studio, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, wrong word. But his core output straddles folk, rock and country. His lyrics capture the vastness of the culture and landscape of, this, of Australia by chronicling life about him for over 30 years. David Frick from the Rolling Stone calls Kelly one of the finest songwriters I've ever heard, Australian or otherwise. Kelly has said, songwriting is mysterious to me. I still feel like a total beginner. I don't feel like I've got it nailed yet. So welcome, Paul. Hi, Phil. Hi, Sharon. How are you going? Yes, yeah, great. Thank you, Paul. Great to have you here. Thanks uh, for the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and also I was going to say we're uh, kind of related because our grandmothers were sisters. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We are second cousins. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure, um, as I know, uh, family appears a lot in your writing. Yes, well, we know uh, we we come from a big family, um, big clan, and um, I'm one of one of eight kids. And uh, um, fam, fam, yeah, I, it was pointed out to me a while ago that children and uh, that my songs often have even love songs, which you you might think would be just you know woman man or you know two people. Mm-hmm. Um, or often there's often more more than two people in the songs. Um, and uh, yeah, children appear quite often in my songs. Mm. Yeah. Where Where are you in the family? What number? Uh, I'm a middle child. Ah. We We, we um, I'm number five. Right. Uh, yeah. So right, right in the middle there. Yes. Yeah. So you've got stories from both ends of the family because being middle child, you've got stories of the older ones, you know, and relationships with older and younger. Yeah. You know, I think it's quite a universal um, experience for someone uh, with older siblings that they they, they um, get heavily influenced by them, and uh, that that was the case with me with my uh, all my older siblings. I remember that the two, the two oldest were, were girls, or they were teenagers when I was younger, and they were starting to bring music into the house. This is the early sixties, so yes, sing Beatles singles and. Mm. Normie, Normie Rowe and Peter, Paul and Mary and then uh, later on Bob Dylan and then my brothers. I had two older brothers as well and got lots of music, lots of music through them, um, you know, moving through the 60s and uh, um, obviously Beatles, Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan and then mm. later on into, you know, more prog rock like uh, Moody Blues and Pink Floyd and Jethro Tolls. So... Um, a lot, you know, a lot of a lot of music and influences came through them, mm. and also uh, pertinent to our subject today, poetry. Um, the um, 
Uh, there's a, a book called a book of poetry called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, a Lebanese poet, and yes. that was a, sort of the book that was everyone was sort of of that generation. I think in the, by then the early seventies, mm-hmm. when I was about fifteen or sixteen, um, uh, was sort of very popular, and all, all you know, my brother Martin and John and their friends were all you know reading that book, and um, that was sort of an I, I first became well, I was getting interested in poetry at school, but that was yeah. the style of Carlo Gibran was was a sort of style because it was, I guess, it was free verse in its translation, and um, uh, you know, it was sort of um, in a way easier to try and imitate. I, I so oh, my yes. first, yeah. my first, I started writing poetry before I wrote songs, and so my first poems are, a, are sort of a bit like. Very bad. Can't help you, Brian. But interesting that that that's that was a style that you connected with then. You know that because I know you, um, you know, you talk about Shakespeare was you know certainly um, one of the early impacts, I guess, through school. Yeah, I think with um, Gibran, it was there's a lot of uh, ideas that are really sort of. Uh, really interesting or important to uh, an adolescent and mm. th- um, thinking about, you know, um, moving away from uh, the old structures and traditional traditional ways of doing things. So Carlo Gibran was, you know, his, one of his most fa- famous poems was Your Children Are Not Your Children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you but not from you. So it was a real parent child sort of um, uh, philosophy about parents not not trying to control their children and so that that resonated a lot with me um, as it did with that, a lot of people in that generation the Shakespeare I really got through school and um, mm. it, it was the I guess it was the language and what you're talking about before uh, with poetry that the language and the 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 um, the the, the 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 variety and richness and all, all the internal internal rhymes and um, but you know poetic nature of Shakespeare's speech. I mean his, mm. his play his plays obviously they didn't didn't some some of them some lines rhymed in his plays, but they were you know they were written written in verse. Um, mm. um, and, and, but and, they also had great stories, so that I guess that hooked. Someone we did Macbeth at school, and that that really sort of hooks. That that's the kind of play that hooks teenagers in. I think it's got everything: yeah. sex, <laughs> sex, sex, blood, betrayal, <laughs> revenge. Yes, yeah. yes, all wrapped up in this yes rich world of horror. Yeah, yes, horror, violence. Yeah. It, yeah, it's amazing these guys that lived hundreds of years ago still speak to us today, like going right back to Homer, or you know, um, and you've also. Um, because there's a whole lot of poems out there and it's hard to figure out where to find good ones, I suppose. And you've written a, a book that's got a whole collection of poems, which is a, a way of people navigating, uh, getting away into getting into good poems. And I guess there'll be some poems, that even in your book, they'll connect to and other ones they won't connect to. But, um, but as you say, it's all about um, trying to be exposed to as many poems as you can and um, and then going with the ones that you click with it is that is that what you think? Um, yeah, I think that's a, a really good approach. I think you know 
for some reason people uh, they think poetry is difficult or they feel a, a bit they feel afraid of it or they, they think they you know they're going to feel that they don't understand it and um, I think if you approach it's a good way to approach poetry is that like a lot, yeah, most of the poetry that you come across, most of it you may, you know may not resonate with you, but it's just some will. I mean, some of my favourite poets, um, W. H. Auden, the English poet, is a good example. I mean, he wrote lots and lots of poetry. Mm. Mo- you know, most of his poetry doesn't really speak to me, or he it can be quite, in a way, opaque. And that's true a lot of a lot of poetry because it's rich language and compressed language it's, it's dense language and, and it's often often um symbolic um yes. there may be it, it may not uh, reveal its you know, meanings to you or, or speak to you in any any meaningful way um but you shouldn't that's not to worry about because you, you you're going to find a um you might you may find another poem that that jump jumps out at you, and that's that's my experience with say someone like Auden and other poets as well. You know, I would call him one of my favourite poets, but I would probably you know only uh, love you know less than less than five percent of his poems. So, yeah. so you don't, don't you don't have to labour over a poem because you think you should know it. You just skip to the next one that really um, clicks with you. Is that? Yeah, I think I think that's why anthologies are useful too because they expose you to a, a range of poets and um, and voices and and uh, and if you like something, you can then maybe you know follow up a particular poet. Um, mm-hmm. if, even when you do, don't 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 sort of um, you get down on yourself for not really you know getting that poet or understanding a, a lot of their poems. It's just. Um, I mean, sometimes you, 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 you. I think often a, a great poem will you might you sort of. It's not you're not you don't really you couldn't you couldn't paraphrase the mean the meaning of it, but and but you'll there's something about it that keeps drawing you back, even though you're not quite sure what's going on in the poem. I think good poems will you come back to them and they keep keep um, revealing things. Yeah. Keep revealing things, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I also think it's important not to to try and um, I think you know I also think what, what maybe why people do get put up, put off poetry is that um, it, it can be taught in, in ways that, that where the teachers will say oh you know what's the meaning of this poem or let's mm-hmm. let, what is the poet trying to say and I think that that's the wrong way to approach a poem I don't think mm-hmm. a, a to say to sort of paraphrase the meaning of a poem is, in a way, sort of just to destroy the poem. For me, it sort of mm. it re- reduces the poem. I mean, the poem is exists because that's the only way to say. It's just saying it's it's a thing in its own right. It's not something to be summarised. I mean, mm. I think definitely teachers can help students enjoy poems by pointing out some, you know, some some of the things going on with with with. Um, you know the way the the rhymes and the rhythms are working, and and the questions that that the the poem might be posing. But I think going at it from the point of view, what is the what is the poet trying to say? Uh, is sort of uh, perhaps um, giving the wrong view of what what what's ha- what what writers do. I mean, I mm-hmm. think mo- most most writers don't know what they're doing and 
until they're in the middle of writing. I mean, for a lot of writers, a lot of poets, it's writing is a way of thinking. It's not like you have the thought and then you try to express it. You don't even know what you're doing till you start the poem. You're just going with an image or a sound or a rhythm and then the poem starts, you know, writing writing it writing itself with with the part with the writer involved but it's sort of never quite never quite knowing what so is it, what they're doing so it's about letting the kids experience the poem themselves in their own way um even if the teacher's just reading it out loud um uh, in an expressive way then the students are getting um their own meaning and their own connection with it is that more of what you'd think yeah i i think so i mean yeah. Uh, I think and think reading aloud is is, is really important too. I think um, mm. sa- saying it aloud is makes uh, you, you start to notice things more than mm. if you're just reading it on the on the page. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. As a reader, I have to say that that is I can't read poetry just in my head. I no. I find that I have to be reading it aloud, even if I'm reading it for myself. Because yeah, yeah. it is the um, – it's in saying it that meaning actually comes to light to me, you know, that it's the – something about the sounds, isn't it? The, you're hearing the sounds and the rhythm. Um, so it just adds another dimension to it that you're just not getting – I was trying to read some this morning and I found myself wanting to read them out loud just to – make them mean more to me you know yes. yeah. yeah 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 and i think that's a i love your point about um you know I, I absolutely agree that i think it's it's easy for us to kill the joy of poetry for our students you know when we uh, when we sort of move into that analysis rather than or saying this is what it means when i i absolutely agree that the question really is what does this mean for you mm because everyone will bring their own meaning to it and that doesn't make one person's meaning right or wrong over anyone else's. Mm. Yeah. And, and also you can – also you don't even have to find meaning sometimes. You can just no. enjoy, enjoy a poem or the, you know, the feeling it gives you or mm. enjoyment of the sound and the richness of the language. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, but yeah, Shakespeare was – I mean, Shakespeare – I really first, you know, got hooked on Shakespeare at school through through Macbeth, as, as I said. Um, I mean, that's it's a, that's slightly different thing because it was through the through a play, which is which mm. is telling a story. So you do need to work a little bit at the language to sort of work out what's going on. But um, as you do, you you become um, more and more you can you can dive more and more into that to the language. Yes. Um, so what? There's what, a great. Sorry, go on. What is it about poetry that just brings, uh, as opposed to writing a uh, reading a novel or whatever, you is bringing everything into a sharp focus, isn't it? That you it's bringing thoughts into a um, more dense focus, so that you hone in on things. Is it? Is that part of it? Yeah, I, I guess one. You know, I think one way to sort of define poetry is just is that that it's memorable speech and that's really how poetry I, I guess it first arose I mean before before the invention of writing um, people were, were telling stories uh, mm-hmm. but they weren't writing them down it's like Homer for instance and yeah. they 
the way to to keep the stories, to be able to tell the stories and, and pass them on was to be for the stories to be in a way that could be remembered and oh, okay. and yep. all the all the te- te- techniques of poetry are really often memory aids, you know, whether it rhyme yeah. or or rhythm, certain certain number of you know beats or syllables to to a line, um, as, you know, assonance, like the, the words sounding the same w- within a line, all all those things that make uh, think uh, so, uh, a story easy to remember. Yeah, that. That's poetry. So, uh, little you know, kid. I, mm. Sorry, so but... I think it's why our first, often, you know, our first literature, what they, you know, they call it literature, but the first literature, I guess, that humans were doing was was um, was poetry because that was they weren't writing it down, so they had to find a way to remember it. It's much easier mm. to remember mm. a poem than to, to remember a long piece of prose. Um, yeah, because we so, talked about little kids. Um... You know, when when you read aloud to a little kid and it's all in a rhyme and a repetition and um, they remember, the, they might not be able to read the words, but they're remembering it in their head. And then as they get to know that book over and over again, they they start to um, read the words because that's right. Yeah. the memory's already there. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Actually, whilst we're talking about little ones, do you – are there um, – like in your childhood before Macbeth, I'm guessing there were nursery rhymes and um, songs that were part of your poetry experience as well that lived in your memory. Uh, yeah, we had a uh, you know, poetry like a children's book of verse. Maybe it was there's oh, uh, yes. I don't remember. Yeah. A, they're still around. I think those um, the owl and the pussycat and you know. Yeah. Um, James James Morrison Morrison Weatherby oh, George Dupree yes. took oh. very good care of his mother though who's only three. So, <laughs> oh, uh, Paul, that's so funny! Like that's the one that just rolls off my tongue too from A. Yeah. A. Milne. That's mm. one of my favourite. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm. Um, um, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, poetry and, and stories as a kid. I uh, remember. Um, uh, Mum and Dad, re- you know, re- reading stories out loud, sitting on Dad's knee, re- having stories, and um, and then you know, uh, le- learning to read, you know, wanting wanting to read, wanting to read my, you know, learn to read myself, so I could mm. just read. Um, yep. Yeah, that's that. Uh, that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. And so then you um, you uh, started to be a writer of poems and songs. Um, and that having that wealth of poems behind you has that helped you to um, to write in you know in the uh, better ways or you know is it that because you love collecting poems too don't you and that is, is that helped in in your writing? Oh, I think so. I think any it's 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 I think it's fairly basic and fairly simple. It's like um, you know a, sp- a sports person or anybody wants to be. Who's good at something has to has to do it a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, you you so you, you it's like training. If you want to be a writer, you, you need to read. You need to read a lot. By reading, you you start picking up, um, um, I guess, technique without even without even without even knowing it. You, yeah. Uh, I think a, yeah. a good way to learn something is to try. You know, is to 
learn someone else's work. So if you, if uh, as a songwriter, I, I learned, you know, when I was starting out, I learned lots of other people's songs. So it's still something I do um, as part of, you know, I do it for fun. I, yeah, I learn yeah. other. If I hear a song I like, I try and learn it, or I go back and learn old songs, or and go back and remember the the first. You know, because you, sometimes unless you keep playing a song, you forget it. So you go back and review or revise those old old songs you used to play. So it's influenced a lot by folk music and so country it, music and so on. Does the poem come first or the song come first, or it depends? You know. Well, I mean the lyrics or the music. Yeah, lyrics for, or the music. Yeah. For me, generally, it was always usually for a long, long time. It was mainly music first. I would sort of sort of sing, sound, uh, sing like sounds into a tape recorder. It used to be a little cassette player. Mm-hmm. Now I do it into my phone. It's easier. <laughs> well, about the same. But just, um, yeah. but. Uh, so it's, you know, maybe sitting at the piano or the guitar, which is the two instruments I write on, and just mm. falling around with some chords and then starting to sing things over the top. It's usually just sounds. Maybe there's some words, uh, a, a phrase or two gets attached to it. Yeah. And then um, often it's it's sort of like, like um, finishing a song. It's just getting words to fit those original sounds or, well, I might often have the whole shape of a song without ha- having many words, and then getting the words to to fit, like you know, finishing mm. a finishing a puzzle. Oh yeah. yeah. But but that that was my way for a long, long time, and then it was fairly recently, about eight years ago, I was involved in a in a collaboration with a classical composer, James Ledger, putting poems to music for a student orchestra, ANAM, the Australian National Academy of Music, and we we put poems to music and that became a record called conversations with ghosts and um after that finished i you know i just started putting you know i just kept going putting poems i liked to music for fun and uh that was a a big change for me because before that i'd always thought uh, it's hard to start with all the words first because it would make the music too Restricted. Rigid, yeah, yeah restricted or yeah. – but I was, I was completely wrong. It's actually, oh, interesting, isn't it? I was completely wrong. So <laughs> For all those years. <laughs> yeah. So the very first thing I did after that piece, Conversations with Ghosts, was uh, I put a Shakespeare sonnet to music, the very famous one, Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day, sonnet 18. Yes. And then I thought, oh, I've done – I can put a sonnet to music. I'll try a few more. And that sort of led me to doing it. A record of Shakespeare sonnets, and um, and just led to me sort of it's part of the way I write. Sometimes starting with someone else's words first, or then also that influenced my own writing. So I would sometimes I started to I started to write words first more often than I used to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now I have you know I have I still write often write. I guess what I would call the old way for me anyway was yeah. just, mm. you know, singing sounds into a tape recorder and then getting words to fit. Yeah. I still write that way, but I also had this other way of having the words to start. So that was pretty exciting for me because, you know, after writing, being songwriting for about 40 years, <laughs> then to find, find uh, oh, not that long, maybe 35 years, then finding a new way to, to write songs, that's 
opens up a whole new world. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's all that any writer would ever ask. It's, it's, every writer, I think, has their own habits and yeah. grooves, and uh, to be able to sort of shake that up and find new ways to write is is what every writer is looking for. Yes. Yeah. So another whole exploration of you as a writer. Yeah, and also you know having these when you have a, these poems, you know, there's a beautiful set of words to start with. I mean, mm. you've got half the you know you've got more than half the job's done because I think words are the hardest part of writing songs. I, mm. I find melodies easier to write than than words. Mm. Which yeah. is why you would have gone in you know with the the music first was which is what you were doing music first yeah. and then mm. yeah find the words to fit with that because yeah the. The part that flowed the easiest. Um, so, is writing po- writing poetry a hard gig to get things right? Do you think? Um, um, well, I never. But you know, I wrote sort of. I wrote poetry. I guess I thought I was writing poetry when I was fifth, started when I was about fifteen, sixteen, and mm. and then you know, for a few years, I was writing poetry and sort of prose poems, and then I started to play guitar and learn songs and then you know, 21 I wrote my first song and so I, I didn't really write poetry from that point except as lyrics for a song so I, I didn't think of them so much as poems but as as song lyrics mm. you know yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's all part of part of a spectrum and you know and again the original part poetry way back in history was was most of it was sung and so again yeah, as a, yeah. that's a way of remembering re- Remembering. remembering something yes. so yeah. um at some point you know poetry got got divided from from uh, music and melody and the, and the whole tradition of just you know poems just to be read arose but the, the roots of poetry go go back go back to song so i guess song lyrics you know can can be a, a form of poetry but you know sometimes a song lyric w- works in a melody in a song but it won't doesn't really work that well on the page. It's it mm. it doesn't have much much going for it unless. It's sung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've you've um, actually uh, spoken and sung um, some of a collection on a YouTube series. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, well, I had this idea last year um, because I, you know I do like. I, I like um, memorising poems. It's something I do for fun, and I like saying them out loud. And um, I've, be, you know, become more involved in in putting poems to music, as I said, over the last seven or eight years. And then putting uh, the book together, "Love Is Strong As Death," the, the anthology. Yes. Uh, um, I just thought it'd be fun to to do a series of you know, sh- short short films, saying poetry, not not reading it. You know, but actually performing it performing. like I would perform, like I would perform a song. You know, mm. I, I don't go on stage with a with a book of my lyrics, <laughs> or you know, with a music stand and, and look at uh, look at what's you know, it's all in it's all in my head. So yeah. that's that's the way I like I like to carry poems in my head. Uh, I carry my songs in my head because that's you know I sing I sing them. That's that's my job. So, so t- I thought. T- mm, you go on. Sorry. Yeah. So that's that's just that's simply it. Just to, just to perform perform the poems. Um, so we did a series of poems um, that we released over 
uh, we started late last year and then continued uh, into this year. And I and it was a group, some of them together. There was, you know, some Shakespeare sonnets went together and then mm-hmm. some poems around certain themes. So um, uh, just, you know, we just shot, shot them in a very, very simply in a studio with nice lighting. Mm-hmm. And yep, yep. Um, they're all up on, I think, you know, you can find them on YouTube. Yes. Uh, Paul, um, Paul Kelly speaks and sings poems. I think it's something like that. Yes. You've, yeah. you've found yeah. that, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. 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 And they're all, and you can see them all there. And it's through the Wheeler, Wheeler Center. Wheeler Center. On, yeah. On, on YouTube. So teachers and probably older students would find those. Um, uh, oh, really? Or any students, uh, really? Yes. Yes. And I, and I, the, um, You've performed the poems. You know, it is, you know, it's that recitation. It's that um, that performance that isn't always something that our students get a chance to do. So I really love them as, you know, the way that you've done them very simply, as you said, but good lighting. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but to actually do that performance of a poem that you love or that speaks to you or that you just like the sound of, um, I think is something that children really um, – well, here's a story. So um, one day this last week um, I asked a little boy near two um, what one of his favourite – what was one of the favourite – or what kinds of books did he like to read and what was one of his favourites? And he said, well, actually, my favourite is a poem. It's The Man from Snowy River. <laughs> and and I said, oh, how did you get to know about that? And he said, well, somebody read it to me and then I wanted to perform it. So as a seven-year-old, he performed at assembly, God. The Man from Snowy River. Now, that that idea of being able to perform something, even if it's not our own words, that we can perform the rich language of somebody's, I think is a real joy and a real something to add to students' repertoires. You know, that they, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the banjo patterson, the, the great. I mean, that's a, a great poem and, you know, so 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 vivid, full of action and, and, uh, and uh, the, the, you know, the, the, rhymes, the rhymes are so infectious and fun. He's, yes. Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. Yes. Fancy the Overflow, I yes. remember, it's a great one. And, um, my my uh, uh, one of my, my older brother, the one just up from me, John, mm. um, often would perform the man from Ironbark. Oh yes, um, oh, yes. Uh, as you know, say at a, at family get-togethers, we you know we might uh, get get different people might get up and tell a joke or do a song or yeah. say a poem yeah. or, or a trick. Yes. Um, so John, John's uh, go-to poem, you know. The man from Ironbark, and you know he would uh, still axe it out when he does it. So uh, we always request that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I love that that you've got those poems up there. Um, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed viewing those and mm. and seeing the art of poetry performance. And you know, I think that's that's a great thing that we can bring to students. You know that they can access um, that readily as a way. And as we said, whatever age students are, because listeners here will be 
working with, you know, early, you know, young children through to secondary students and some beyond. Um, it's great to be able to see how a poem can be performed. Mm. And and just on a teaching tip here, um, a couple of the teachers that I'm working with actually get or offer a few times in the year, get their students' poetry performance ready to not only to perform um, to the class but to actually record it so that parents get to see that as a recording. Mm. Mm. So, you know, we need we need audiences for these things and it's and it's great to prepare ourselves for those sorts of um, opportunities, you know, to learn something for that reason. Yeah, and I think also I think perform perform poetry, spoken word poetry, poetry slams, as you know, mm. there's it's become um, more popular yes. in, in yep. recent years, and there's yeah. uh, um, people are discovering the joy of going going to see someone perform a poem. You yes. know, because yeah. um, we really need that joy in our lives. Um, you know, after that pretty tough year last year um, with uh, COVID and everything. Um, yeah, the whole the whole role of poetry in our society. There's some. Bigger things there that are, uh, can really nourish us, aren't they? Do you think, Paul? Like, um... oh yeah, and I think you know again, um, although people will sort of think, oh, poetry, that's that's difficult, or they they might be a bit scared of it. It's actually in, in their lives a lot more than they realise. I mean, we always people turn to poetry you know, at a lot of our ceremonial occasions, um, yes. you know, funerals. People will read a poem, weddings. Mm-hmm. You know, big birthday parties. Um, you know, you know. Often, friends will make up a poem about someone at a mm. for a special occasion. Um, we do it all the time. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, making rhyming things or, or writing poems or writing writing things in a rhythm that that that, uh, that starts to move people's bodies and heartbeats. That's it's fun to do, and um, yeah, I think so. I mean, poetry. Can, can do all that. It can be, it can be great fun. Uh, also, great solace um, at times when we need comfort, like or yeah. reflection, like like mm. At, mm. at funerals and so on. Mm. Um, they, they're because they're 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 pithy and they're 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 often they don't have to be too long. They just say something um, something. Something that uh, articulates your feelings and in a in a way that you can remember and respond to. So it's all around us, and it's been happening for thousands of years. So um, they knew they were on a good thing back then, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> um, and, um, and prayer, I, prayer, I suppose, is a form of poetry too, isn't it? Um, uh, re- yeah. Religious poems, or yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, you could say it the other way around too. Poetry is a form of prayer, which mm. you know that the the root the root of prayer is is praise. You know, so a lot of mm. there's a, a lot of poetry is is praise, and there's you know, you could, especially there's so much um, great nature poetry um, mm. that 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 praises. I mean, we did Jeremy Manley Hopkins at, at school, and you probably remember. Uh, him, Philip, going to, going to a Catholic school. That, <laughs> um, that the, uh, the Christian brothers loved um, Jared Manley Hopkins. He was a 
Catholic priest. Catholic priest. But an incredibly innovative poet, very pioneering in his use of rhythm and and rhyme. Mm. And, you know, um, Pied Pied Beauty is a great example. I mean, God's grandeur, those poems, they're just pure songs of praise. The Windhover, you know, about which is a uh, kind of hawk or kestrel. Um, they, they're just poems of praise, so they're, they're very much like prayer. Um, they are, they are um, uh, you know, often, uh, often you can't separate poetry and prayer. You know, mm. So they're, they're mixed together, the Psalms in the Bible and, um, and so on. Mm. I really like how um, in your collection of poems, um, but as you're talking now as well, that really there there's such a variety of poems. You know, we can get into thinking, oh, you know, a poem is this or that, but the more poetry we read, the more patterns and ways of organising and, you know, free verse through to, you know, how we shape those words on a page, um, you know, different meter, different literary devices that are used, that Mm. the wealth and the richness and the range that if, like in a collection that you've done, like that will, that covers a lot of, that covers a lot of different forms and a lot of different styles, a lot of different techniques and devices. Um, Yeah. And the more the kids are hearing of these different, uh, poems, and many of them, as you said, Paul, before, they're going to be picking up things within their language that they don't even realise they're picking up, um, which then they can use in their own writing. Um, so That's right. And, and, you know, if you like, you can often, a way of writing something is actually to respond to a piece of writing that you like. I mean, often you, you do that subconsciously, but it can also can be a conscious act too, is to say, oh, I really... I really like the rhythm or the meter of that poem or that rhyming scheme. I might try to do something the same, you know. So, mm. or um, you can um, write a poem in response to another poem, or uh, almost like an argument or, or mm. a different point of view, or um, or just take some another a poem as a starting off starting off point for um, your own poem. I think that's probably a way that t- teachers can do have fun, have fun introducing that element of make a game out of this. Yeah, it's, it's, um, play, it's playing with it rather than an, uh, over analysing. You're just yeah. uh, having a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, and experiment. Yeah, experiment, try out, adapt. And your love of poetry, uh, even though you were, you know, you must have uh, still. Uh, the schooling you had uh, still enhanced it. It didn't um, reduce your love of poetry. Um, and, yeah, so you must have had some pretty okay to good experiences at the school with poetry, but also you yeah, you grew yeah, with it I, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, it was definitely um, – I, I enjoyed poetry at school. It was the first time I came across – John Keats and Oto Nightingale. They said we had Jeremy Manly Hopkins. We did Shakespeare, um, and I had a good English teacher. So remember, Brother Siebert. Oh yes. Um, yeah. And uh, so, I, 
you know, I don't know if everyone enjoyed English as much as I did, but, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I liked it and, um, I, and, you know, I found, um, I mean, those three writers I mentioned, Keats, Hopkins and, and Shakespeare, they all had a real, uh, very rich and in some way sort of elevated language. It, it was, you wouldn't call it sort of plain talking poetry. It was, it was more, it's poetry that sort of, really was reaching for something and um and you had to put a bit of work into it so and I, I i enjoyed i enjoyed that that, that if you if you put some work into the palm it would re- reward you yeah and it takes you to another level does it do you think it's sort of a oh yes yeah. well a good palm will change cha- sort of change your way of being or will change you'll change yeah, it I think a really really good poetry sort of affects you physically. It mm. um, it gives you um, I mean it gives you a kind of buzz, I guess. You know, it sort of makes your head fizz, or you know, you're the, the your hairs go up on the back of your neck. So yeah, I think poetry has a good poetry has a strong physical effect. Yeah. There's, there's one earlier on you were talking about, um, oh, you know, some of the first poetry writing you sort of had a go at was the free verse poetry. Um, yeah. Now that's like something that, um, you know, often comes up and teachers will often say, oh, free verse poetry. Like what's an example of free verse poetry? Um, how would you define free verse poetry like if you were to describe it because as a writer of do you still write free, free verse poetry or uh not, so not really i'm not really i'm probably a bit sort of hooked on rhyme but that's partly because being a being a songwriter but if mm-hmm. i even if i write poems for fun or little little um poems for friends or for an occasion i usually yeah. make it rhyme yeah i like yeah. i like i like haikus too that are ah, yes. rhyme so so you see, that's those, you know, and they're, uh, I think they're fun for students to play around with because mm. you've just got this little rule, you know, five syllables, yeah. seven, seven syllables, five syllables, and yeah. try and write something within that is, is so it's good having that, 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 that those, the little, uh, again, it's like a puzzle. Can I, can I get, yes. get mm. these yes. things to fit and, and make, make this thing you've, yeah, you've, you've got certain boundaries that you've, you've got to follow. Yes. That, that that you know, I think um, makes it I don't know how to de- don't know how to define free free verse. I think I mean what, you look at something on a maybe poetry on a page and you don't do you, you don't see obvious <coughs> excuse me obvious rhyme or or meter, mm. but so you say oh that's free verse. But if you the poet probably had a you know there's a rhythm in the poet's mind mm. writing that so. Again, you start speaking the poem, and you, and you find there there are there are rhythms in there. So it's yeah. it's not it's not pro, prose. I mean, sometimes you know people say derogatorily, you know that um, free verse poem is just prose chopped up. Right. Yes, <laughs> but, um, uh, that's. Yeah, I think it, good poem is 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 it's not that. It's doing it's doing other things, and yeah. often the way to discover it is by saying it out loud. Mm, mm. Uh, I like that, yeah. and I like how you said about the um, you know haiku. Those little pieces that you know where there is a 
it's like a puzzle to solve. And I think children, especially children, um, often it's the way for them to surprise themselves about the way they can put words together. You know that it's 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 not going to be in the same way as when you're writing a sentence or you know you're just blaring something out on the page. That this this puzzle to solve the way of arranging the thought is a way that they don't get to do very often. You know, it's like and yeah, they can get that satisfaction of oh yeah, I thought I got this, I, I got the yeah. Uh... 17 syllables yes. in, in, yeah. in the right way. And then, they, you yeah. you know, also it's not sort of – it's also a way of sort of – sometimes when you distract, distract you're sort of playing with a form or uh, – and then so you're not too worried about, um, oh, why don't, you know, I have to say something serious or <laughs> I have to express my feelings or yeah. – you just think – you're, you're actually just trying to get words to fit this form and then, uh, you know, whatever – yeah. It allows, I guess, it allows the subconscious to work a bit more. And of course, you you'll write up without even knowing it. You'll write about things that maybe are on your mind, or mm. you didn't even know were on your mind, but they mm. they come up somehow. Mm. But if you if you start off with, I think that's again, I, I mentioned it at the start. Um, I don't think most writers don't sit down thinking, I have this thought and this feeling, and I need to express it. I think yeah. they just start writing, and then. The the thought or the or the or the feeling start start to emerge, mm. and that subconscious that you're talking about, I think that's, I think that's where poetry can really, that's where it delves in, does isn't it? You know that it it goes into that subconscious level more than maybe just the, our everyday writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think yeah, those those. Sometimes we have writing with our kids where we say we're going to give you a quick write where you've got two minutes to write things as much as you can and we might even give them a key word but um, that seems to sometimes bring out their, their subconscious as well. It's kind of a – if it's done in a problem-solving uh, you know, way, it's kind of another constraint, yeah. isn't it? Or without yeah. overthinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not, yes. not overthinking. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think it's a good, good thing to do. Yeah, I think thought I could do, um, it's just, it's just again because it's a fun one. Yeah. Um, it's the ma- a poem called "The Magpies," written by a New Zealand poet called uh, Dennis Glover, um, and um, I came across it, and um, it's, it's uh, decided to put it to music. But he, it's it's a poem with a, sort of an old fashioned poem in a way. In a way, I think it might be written in the sixties. But he imitate, he's, he's, he's written down uh, in a sort of phonetic version, his version of what a magpie sounds like. And he's <laughs> written on the page, he goes, quadle doodle, addle waddle doodle, the, mag, the magpie said. So, oh, um, so I thought that that would be fun to sing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember singing it when I didn't know the poem. It's not that well known here, but I sang it in New Zealand and, and it's very you know, kids used to study that poem at school so right. it's a very well well known poem over there where the magpies um, actually um, there's a lot of magpies there but they were introduced so they're oh. not um, na- native like here oh, is that right so, oh okay but, um, New, Zealand, New Zealanders um, love 
love magpies too. Well, I guess not all of them. But, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people here. Those, those, that, magpies. those that have been um, swooped. Yeah. <laughs> or haven't I'll, been swooped. I'm just going to move my phone down so I can okay. yep, play sure. the guitar and yep. uh, oh, I'll have a go, go at this. All right. The magpies. <laughs> When Tom and Elizabeth took the fun, the Brethren made their bed. Quite a little, 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 the magpie said. Tom said, We're sorry to the plow. Elizabeth's lips were red. Quite a little, 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 the magpie said. Year in, year out they were, while the pines grew overhead. Quite a little, 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 the magpie said. But all the beautiful crops soon went to the mortgage man instead. Quite a little, 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 the magpie said. Elizabeth, you stand now. It was years ago. Old Tony went light in the head. Quite a little, 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 make my say. The farm's still there. Mortgage corporations couldn't give it away. Quite a little, 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 and make my say. Oh, love it. <laughs> that, that's great, great verse, great, great poem. I, I'm ready to chase that one up straight away. And iconic Paul Kelly sound on that. <laughs> Oh, how beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Paul. And and sure. Paul, this this idea of you having um because I think from your um the poems from your book, Love is Strong as Death, you have have you put some of those to music as well? Quite a few. That that one's the Magpies is the Magpies is in the book. Um, right. Uh and over the years, yeah, cuz you know, over the Poems that I put the music over the years. Obviously, they're poems that I really love, so yeah. they were all in the book. Um, there's actually an index at the at the back of the book that lists all the ones that I put music to, and oh, that's right, what, okay. you know yeah. what records they're on. And the audio book is has got um, fourteen, I think, fourteen of the poems oh. recorded at the end as well. Just just um, oh. their new re- new recordings, just you know, but vocal and guitar, just just me solo. So, uh, the, the, yeah, they can, they're available on the audio book, but nowhere else. All right. So the audio book um, is has those fourteen songs. Well, um, the music. Yeah, at the end. At the end. Yeah, the audio book is me reading the whole. The, <laughs> I read the whole, whole book. I read the whole book. Wow. Oh my! I just said, oh. read the whole part, read the whole lot, and then put this these fourteen songs as a extra oh. thing at extra thing at the end. Oh goodness. I'm going to say this is one time where 
well, I can easily fix this, but I regret having the hard co- you know, the hard copy version of the book and not the audio version. Oh, get, get both. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. I yeah. need to have both. I most definitely mm. um, will be chasing up the audio of that. So love is strong as death. There'll be plenty of people chasing that one up. In fact, I was speaking to someone today who is um, a great admirer of yours who said this is um, a book that is – you know, strong on there, but doesn't sit on the shelf too much. But they have brought a lot of those to the classroom, a lot of your poems to the classroom. Mm. Oh, that's so, good. Yes, good yes. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's as we said, you know, that it's that variety, um, and it's and it's a place for us to go to, to go exploring, so that we too can come across some poets that we may not have been aware of either you know there's certainly some poets here that I did not know um, you know of, of the poems that you've collected in here um, that has certainly made me go looking further so yeah I think that thinks that's a good thing about I mean that's anthologies mm-hmm. helped me a lot too when I was putting putting my anthology together so it's mm-hmm. because it's like you say it's all the that variety you, you look through someone else's um, Collection of poems and and the yeah you you often you meet old friends yes. poems that you know but then you yeah. just make new discoveries and that's that's sort of what I wanted uh, my book to do to, to for, for a place where people can go that they they come across some fa- old favourites mm. and then they they discover new poems and new writers and then they can go off exploring for themselves so I want the book to be able to, to open up. Yes. You know, open up more and more as you as you get into it. Yes, yeah. And more and more people are um, are listening on audio because um, with busy lives, they're well, hopefully listening to more podcasts. But also, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the audio way, you know, driving in the car or whatever is a a, a way for them to access that um, yeah. when, when they don't have as much time for reading. So. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, and back to the anthology. Sorry, I keep jumping around here, but also I think it's, um, you know, having access to anthologies is just such a great model for students too to think about, collect, you know, making their own collections. Um, you know, that it isn't just as something that, you know, I might hear a poem every now and then, but to actively be a collector of poems, of the poems that I love, of the poems that, I, that I've that i heard but I don't yet understand, but there's something in there, there's something that's... Mm, um, even from a young age. Yeah. Even from a young age, yeah. yes. You know, we often talk about our younger, um, you know, our receptions ones having collections of nursery rhymes and... Mm. Um, songs and um, things that really lead them into reading those for themselves um, and maybe performing them, certainly yeah. sharing with, sharing them because poetry isn't just an on-your-own piece all the time. You know, it's a – when you can share that with somebody, I think that's a – you know, that strengthens – doesn't mean someone else has to um, – get the same things from it as you but to share you know to to share either through performance or the, the things that I've found that I love I think it's just a great way for classroom communities to build too around the whole notion of 
of language and and big thoughts. Love of language being brought, mm. yeah, being yeah. brought together. And it's easy, you know, where we now have. I mean, in this day and age, it's it's much easier to do. To as you say, maybe collect your favourite poems. You know, you you can you can jump around. Um, uh, you, you know, Google an author that you like and find their poem. Even if you can't, even if you know you might not be able to get to the bookstore or to get the book physical mm. book, but there's poetry that you can. I mean, that's how I sort of started putting this book together. I mean, years if I liked a poem, I came across a poem somewhere, or I'll just um, you know collect it, cut and paste it into a document, put it into mm. a folder. So. I guess it all started, you know, the way I put the book together was just putting, having lots and lots of poems that I put on my computer and put in a folder and it's like started to build my own collection. So, mm. yeah. um, and again, like you said, much easier to to share things these days, to share, to, yeah. to send things around and send things around to groups and um, exchange poetry. A lot of, again, with, with my anthology, it was uh, also helped a lot by um, friends and people people I knew sending me poems. Yes, yeah. you yeah. might exchange exchange poetry or some you know someone sends you a poem and you that you've never heard of the the poet and off you go exploring that poet. So, mm. so all that's much easier to do these days than yeah. hunting you know hunting around in bookshops. <laughs> <laughs> much as I love bookshops, yeah, it must be so. Must, go to bookshops a lot. So. Must be so many yeah. poems that are in other languages that we've not even heard of, and um, they, yeah. if they get translated, then we discover a whole new uh, round of poetry out there. Yeah, uh, there's, there's so much out there. Mm. Um, and I guess the other thing I was just thinking too is that I love um, that you've married poetry with music, and for some children, that is another way for them. You know, they would. Really engage with that, thinking, oh, you know, putting putting a favourite poem or something that speaks to me to music, and then some children love to be able to illustrate, you know, and and have that poetry, you know, with you know with their with an, with an image, yeah, yes, or act it out as a drama, yes, you know? or yeah. to yeah. to perform it in yeah. a way, yeah. and so it just opens all these doors for multiple levels of expression. Which yeah. I think is really, you know, is joyous. You know that it, uh, you know, adds real meaning to, um, you know, not yeah. that you have to do these things, but when you can find new ways to express these things. And I think, you know, as you said earlier, you know, they sh- poetry is there to make us or to help us feel things. You know, it, I think that's at the end of the day, that's that's the difference about poetry is the, you know. It does activate feelings. And, and thinking. And th- mm. Well, and thinking, mm. without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, Paul, I thought we'd um, ask some rapid-fire questions at the end here. Um, uh, what, uh, the first one is, what was your favourite book as a child and why is that your favourite? Oh, I remember the little, the little Prince by the French, French writer Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. I'm probably not saying that right, but um, uh, that was just a strange, beautiful book. I, I think I liked it because of, uh, you know, the drawings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. He drew yes. a 
boa constrictor uh, with a uh, elephant inside it, and, and then but all the adults only saw that it was a hat. And so he, this is how he worked out whether people, you know, were, had the, had true vision. <laughs> like he did. Um, it's a strange little book, but uh, I, I, you know, I think I remember really liking that book, even if it, you know, I didn't fully understand it or all the allegory, allegories in it. But so, Sometimes yeah, I remember that one. So just... it brought a lot of intrigue. Mm, a lot of intrigue, you. yeah. So was that a book that was read to you initially? I, th- I can't remember. I think oh. possibly what possibly may have been, but yes. then I remember reading it on my own too. Yes, going back to but it I, I over think and it over prob- again. <laughs> yeah, I think it was probably read to me at first, at first. Mm. yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what good read-alouds will do for us too, you know. It's like, oh, now that I've entered into that world through there, now to, you know, to keep exploring that and to, you know, revisit and go back to, which is something that we haven't even really talked about with the poetry, is that, of course, that's what there's great power in in poetry is that the revisiting of it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then the, if you remember and then you remember, Memorize a poem for fun, mm. and something. Then you you carry it around with you, so yes. um, it's mm. something you can already always access. I mean, it's easy to access. It's much, again, like I was saying before, it's so much easier to access poetry now. Mm. And you think, oh, what was the line? What was that poem? I remember, I remember that line of that poem. What I can't remember the name of the poem or who wrote it, but I remember this line. Yes. You just type in the line and bang. Yeah, and there the it is. So, I know it's where, extraordinary. Where, yeah. Unfortunately, probably yeah, probably isn't meaning. meaning it's not, we start, we're not we don't me- memorize stuff in in, in the, the way, way that we used to. No, um, yeah. no. I mean, I remember you know visiting uh, you know Aunty Pat, um, Phil, oh, yes. uh, yeah. my my Aunty Pat in the last uh, last years of her life because she lived to ninety seven, and over the last ten years when I'd come back to Adelaide and visit her, we mostly would just read or say poems to each other and she could remember a whole lot from school because back in when she went to school they learned poems by rote she just yes. learned the poems by rote and that, that that rote learning went out of fashion but i think there's something good about it because it just means that she had the poem with her always yes and a rich um, vocabulary within her she always had you know to, to, to draw on yeah. yeah yeah actually i love the way you expressed that that once we learn it, we carry that with us. And, you know, we could say rote learning or I just love that image of, you know, that's what we carry. It's, it is, we don't only carry it, it actually becomes part of us. That's yeah. a probably, better, probably better way of saying it is learning by heart. That's a much friendlier mm. way of saying it than yes. rote learning. Yes. Learning by heart. Yeah. Learning, learning, by heart. learning by heart. And listen to yeah. the meaning in that now. Yeah. You know, yeah. how many times have I used that phrase? Oh, you learn something by heart. But when you really think of what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Whole new meaning. Then, oh, yeah. right, that's back. Uh, right, we've just made that. That's going to go viral, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> now, my rapid fire questions aren't very rapid. <laughs> Uh, Sorry. My second <laughs> no. question. Doesn't matter. That's because uh, I'm in the room. <laughs> how do you think you learnt to read, if you can remember? Uh, I, don't re- I don't remember. I can't, you know, don't actually remember. Oh, I can read now. I thought it was, must mm. have been pretty young. Yeah. Mm. And I remember yeah. being told the story 
but uh, that my dad that he could read, you know, he could read by the age of three, oh. and he used to go and you know, he could go get the newspaper, go and get the new the newspaper would be delivered, and he could read, you know, read the um the date and the, the weather and the, the headline and. Mm. Uh, the, the, you know, so that was sort of the famous family story. Dad could read when he was three years old. So, <laughs> so we all left. So there was the benchmark. <laughs> so, um, but um, I don't remember. I just um, did you? Remember? I'm sure it's probably you know read, yeah. learning pretty probably got pretty close to reading by just being read to at home. Yeah, and then um, was that uh, that your mum mostly, or do you think, or dad? Both. Both. Yeah, mum and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, you said. Oh, sorry, I've just lost my thought. Keep going, Phil. I'll That's come all right. back to. Um, no, it's great. Um, a favourite song or line from a song, and why? And why? Well, yeah, there's, there's so many. I, 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 mm. I, I think Waterloo Sunset by the Kinks. Mm. I think it's just that's a gorgeous song, you know, musically as well, but mm. um, the lyrics are so vivid and uh, the lyrics, he's a, one of those songwriters where you can see his songs, they're, they're very visual, cinematic, I'd say, mm. and um, it's got the great image of people like flies uh, swarming around, around Waterloo, uh, swarming around Waterloo Underground, the Waterloo Underground station in, in London, people like flies swarming around uh, right. Waterloo Underground, so mm. that always stuck with me. That song, that line. Perhaps that, that's another book, a, a collection of uh, songs that you like. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Well, you mentioned in your um, oh, well, there anthology are, that there are no, that the, you mm. that that was going to open another whole um, area if oh, you yeah, included but, songs. Yeah. You know, if you yeah, included sorry. yes, um, songs as as poems. Um, yeah. 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 It would get too big. I was already, um, yeah, the publishers were saying, stop. <laughs> so does that mean there's Anthology 2 coming? Mm. Uh, no, I don't know, not at this stage. <laughs> no, no. But it's funny after, you know, I've had lots, you know, of course, ever, since the book came out, then I, I come across a poem and think, oh, I wish I had that one in the book. Or yeah. I think of a poem I forgot and then, of course, people come up to you and say, why didn't you put this poem in <laughs> Uh, I am so you know. Of course, I started another folder on the computer with with. Uh, I just you know, just I like keep... a palm. I sort of collect it, so I put it put it in the folder. I've got quite a lot now mm. outside of the book. And isn't that the joy that the book is done, but you can keep collecting? You know, and that's I think that's just so indicative of how much poetry means to you, and. And how collectible it is, you know, that it it can be just an ongoing piece yeah, for any of yeah. us. You know, it's you know what speaks yeah. to us. We we like to hold hold yeah, in some, our heart. Some people collect China cup of you know crockery mm. or China mm. sets or mm. little figurines yes. or yeah. I don't know racing cars, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> guitars. Um, now, yeah. now, Paul, you've been really uh, successful in your career. Have you got? Um, although you say you don't feel like you've got songwriting nailed yet, um, well, maybe you do now. Yeah. But um, uh, no, it's, it's good. Yeah. goes back to what I was saying before. You, you don't don't really know what. Yeah, 
if I mean, if I knew how to write a song, I'd write one every day. But mm. I don't. I mean, no. you you sort of got to turn up and it's just play, you know, it's, it's a form of play. So you've got to make sure you give yourself time and space to play, and then um, and hopefully songs will strike. I mean, it's a bit like fishing. You, you don't know whether you, you can go fishing at the same, you know, you can go fishing, spend the whole day fishing and don't catch a fish, but yeah, yeah. that's all right. You still have a good time. Or so, yeah. But you, you, you keep going back and maybe, on the, you know, one day you go and you catch a fish. Yeah. Uh, but you wouldn't have never caught the fish unless you turned up, unless you went, you know, went fishing. Yes. So you've got to. Yeah. So is that I mean, your, stop, your tip for youngsters would be to, to have a go and to um, – Get keep in, fishing. Keep fishing. Keep getting in there and trying out, keep, and going yeah. going along your passions. And it, would yeah. that would that be your um, any other tips yeah. for younger students? For what? Young, thriving. Uh, I think, oh, yeah. thriving. Thriving in a career that they want to go into, I suppose. Or, yeah, like I said before, you just read a lot. Um, find if you find poems you like. Um, Maybe have a go at writing something similar, or like I said, writing response to it. Or, I mean, I learned to write songs by learning lots of other people's songs. So that's mm. I think that's just the key to anything. You yeah. le- you you learn by that's a form of worship. Unless you work you worship something, you sort of, you take it into yourself. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's a great word. Yeah, you know, it eventually sort of works its way out. May, may work its way out. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for today. It's been Really fantastic talking to you and uh, so many wonderful insights. on. Yes, thank you for your yeah. generosity of you know, letting us into, um, into your heart and into oh. your processes in a way, you know, your, your collection, your collecting, your heart and, you know, your, how you thrive um, through language. Um. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure and enjoyed the chat. And I wish you guys all the best with the ongoing podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Yes. So we will – I know teachers will already there's, – there's so much here. You know, sometimes I think it's a bit like we don't need to analyse what you've just said. You know, it's, it's people – that's what we hope that um, we wanted to honour – your voice around poetry and um, about how you work with that. And, you know, we didn't want to sort of, I, I think I broke the rule a few times, but I didn't want to sort of try and make too many classroom connections around that because I think everyone will take from that um, what they feel is, um, you know, how that can work for them as teacher and for their students. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, no, so thank you so much. And once again, your book, The Poems Chosen by Paul Kelly, Love is Strong as Death. And I'm chasing up the audio book because I want to hear the songs. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. And also the YouTube clips. Um, yes. Fantastic yeah. resource. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on our podcast. And uh, thank you, Paul. And uh, we uh, look forward to hearing any responses from you uh, on our Facebook group. Um, also on our contact page on um, our website. Thank you, uh, Sharon. Um, thank you, Paul. And thank you, everyone. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye Thanks, Phil. Thanks very Thanks, much. Sharon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, 
please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower, and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.